0: This is the Wolf of Pod Street, Tim Fakeless. Hello, welcome.
1: The Wolf of Pod Street Podcast, first episode. A lot of people to thank for getting this off the ground. Fansided, go to fansided.com. You'll be able to see this podcast all over their website, all over their NBA website. Prize Brewing, the sponsor of this podcast. And of course, you'll be able to see this podcast at a Wolf Among Wolves, as well as a bunch of other locations. You'll be able to get this on iTunes. You'll be able to get it on Stitcher. You'll be able to get it on Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. First episode, first topic, and first guests. The last time I was on a podcast with Andy Grimsrud, we were just talking about this. We did a fantasy draft of the most random Timberwolves that you can think of. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Andy, I can't remember what what Wolves he had. Was Anthony Bennett one of them?
2: I'm sure he must have been.
0: God, Um, he played for the Wolves.
2: Yeah. Wolves great? Um, I, I had some pretty good picks, I think. I can't remember who. And totally flipping it,
1: the last time I did a podcast with Zach Harper we talked about the Timberwolves goat, Kevin Garnett. Mm -hmm. So we we've really hit both ends of the playing ability spectrum. So we're going to gravitate a little bit more towards what we did with Zach. And we're going to talk about Carl Anthony towns, who has been back now for what is it? Three games. I believe four games, um, obviously has had to say a tumultuous journey in this past calendar year. We'll be putting it lightly, but Uh, Zach, we'll start with you. Uh, As a guy that I know, you wrote a big piece on him early in his career, I think from CBS Sports. Um, And you saw, I mean, if we're going back to the beginning, Carl Anthony Towns was at the top of the GM list every year for two, three years as the guy that executives wanted to build a a, a team around. And since then, he's made one all-NBA team. He has had some injury problems, but all things considered, still, I mean, maybe save Nikola Jokic, the best offensive center in the NBA, has his, has his downsides. But uh, with what we've seen from him this year and what we've seen without him specifically, what can we really say is the impact that Carl anthony Towns makes on a basketball team?
0: I think I think it's so tough this year and I'm not trying to cop out of this answer because it it's a valid and important question for the f- future of the Wolves but like I don't think there is an answer right now. Like with this season, this season's been I don't know how to judge a season in general, right? With any team because everything is all over the place. Um like the Miami Heat for example, I'm like, "Hey, I think this team is actually pretty good even though they can't win a basketball game because they haven't had availability." And so if you're looking at all right, what does Carl do for these guys? He, because like the first four games, it was a positive impact, right? Wolves looked yep. good-ish. And he would like, they were good with him on the floor and they were bad without him. And so you, that's what you want to see. You want to see Carl like making people better and helping lead to the, to wins. And maybe the defense will be there. We know the offense will be there. And then since he came back, like, I don't know how we judge him because I don't know what the health implications are. I don't know if he can breathe for 30 minutes in a game. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know what any of that stuff is. And so like, it's, it doesn't look good since he came back. It looks, and I think the, the concerning thing, it's not the defense um, necessarily of when he's on the floor that, that bothers me right now, because I expect that to be bad. right? Right. Like I would rather be pleasantly surprised than disappointed in that. And so I, that's, it doesn't bother me that they, it doesn't bother me yet that they can't defend when he's on the floor since he got back. To me, it's that the offense is like not anything close to being good. And so, yeah, you can say, well, D'Angelo's not playing like, okay, sure. Hey, they don't have a whole lot of shooters. Yeah, agreed. But he's supposed to be the guy that then takes over that. And I don't know if he is physically capable um, due to the implications of of coming back from COVID. I don't know if he's mentally capable based on everything that he went through. and And then on top of that, like, I know Wolves fans aren't going to, aren't going to love it. Like there's not a lot of talent on this team. It just isn't right. There's like, in terms of like skills, what? <laughs> like I know it's crazy. Right. But like going into the season, you know, I know some, some fans were, were hopeful and some fans got mad at me because I was like, look, this team's going to suck. Like th- there's, there's no reason to believe that this team will compete for a playoff spot, even with the playing tournament. Right. And that's because I looked at, I'm like, this might be a decent team two years from now, three years from now but right now with no training camp, with no preseason work things out and you're just going to throw them into the mix. I don't see the talent there to help complement. And so um, like there was the couple of games ago, fourth quarter, he barely shoots. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he barely, he's barely like he's a factor on offense, but it's not like he was taking over anything at this point in his career. You would hope that. And I think Andy feels the same way. Like I think you would hope that, you know, give me the ball in the fourth quarter i will i will see where we can go and it just that's not there consistently but since he came back like i don't know if he's even capable of doing that from so many different vantage points and standpoints because i don't know what you should expect realistically
1: andy since he's come back uh well we're gonna get to this eventually but you wrote a uh shall we say a polarizing piece at a wolf among wolves Yeah, yeah well i checked some of those mentions man Woo. We're going to, we're going to get to that in a little bit, but <laughs> since he's come back just strictly yeah. on court.
2: Yeah. Uh, what do you like?
1: And what don't you like?
2: Um, it's hard for me to like compartmentalize it. It's so weird because he's played nine games, I think. And it's like, there's two, right. There's two, then wrist, then was it one or two more and then one and a
0: half maybe one maybe. and a half
2: and then COVID and then a few more since. So, this
1: is still hurt," he it's, said after
2: a game recently. That his wrist. I turned. know, and I, mm-hmm. I mean, that, we'll to, maybe we can get to that. Later. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> shouldn't get me started on sort of Kat's, uh penchant for saying certain types of expressing things a certain way. But um, you know, those first two games, my general thought was Russell dominates the ball. Towns doesn't have it as much. Well, that's not perfect. In theory, it seems like he's way more focused on defense and I thought that was true with Jimmy Butler here as that season went along where it's like yeah fans like you know I mean I'm sure I was one of them we want to see Towns get 30 points but he was getting like 21 points with unbelievable efficiency and his defense was getting better and we were winning and I'm like that's not a bad player like so I'm going on tangents here but my thought was okay we just won two games we beat the Jazz in Utah Towns didn't score a ton, but he, he, he wasn't as most efficient as possible, but he seemed like he was kind of more defense oriented and his, his, um uh, his demeanor was a little more tempered down, which, you know, I don't want to read too into his personal tragedy and stuff, but it just seemed like he was a little more, a little more relaxed, but also in a good way on defense. But yeah. I'm not, and then the more, but the more recent games, I'm not sure it's quite been that way. Like the other night when he bit on the Sabonis fake, just plowed all over Sabonis and he's just crying to the ref. I'm like, that's Towns is back. I was like, he's back. I <laughs> oh, looked a little more ordinary, but he's, you know, he's one of at least one of those games, he had a lot of points and it seems like he's approximating his usual self. So I guess I haven't noticed like a huge difference overall, but I, you know, if Russell were to play, I, I I've sort of had this idea in mind that it might be a little like the Jimmy season where he's a, his role on offense goes down five 5 percent, but his defense goes up 20 percent or something but yeah just, we haven't had much chance to really see it
1: i i honestly don't mind just jumping into that like his role at the end of games right now you kind of touched on it with jimmy and yeah. it seemed like especially against the lakers that i don't know if ryan saunders and the coaching staff were experimenting with it i know cat has been a proponent of anthony edwards mm-hmm. but Anthony Edwards essentially assumed the Jimmy Butler role, if you want to call it that at the end of that Lakers game. And I agree. I think once D'Angelo Russell comes back uh, for better or for worse, that's going to sort of be his role as well. Does that, hmm, I'm trying to think of the, I think when Jimmy Butler was on the Timberwolves and that was his role, a Jimmy Butler, I don't think I'm breaking any news, but he was the best all around player on that team. He was the leader. What? I I, I know. It's either
0: him or Jake Lehman might have been. I don't think he was on the team yet, actually, never mind.
1: (laughs) Him or uh, uh, Marcus George's Hunt, one of those. Mm, There you go. Uh, There it is. There's a guy. (laughs) But I think a lot of Wolves fans, and I I would include myself in that, thought Tom Thibodeau was behind the strategy of it and was behind giving Jimmy Butler the ball at the end of the games. And it wasn't a bad strategy. The Wolves were really, really good with Jimmy Butler on the team. They were the three seed for the majority of that season uh then he got hurt and they dropped to the eight whatever uh now that ryan saunders is in place um the uh, small again small sample size that we're working with here but six games and i said three or four i'm insane there's six games and when this podcast is out there will be seven 15 shots 18 11 10 19 13 uh keeping in mind he just got back from covid we don't know the long-lasting implications i saw a bit about Jason Tatum saying that he's still got some cardio issues. It's happening all over the place. We don't actually know what's going on with that. Um, But what do we expect this team to look like with the healthy D'Angelo Russell and with an Anthony Edwards who seems now to uh, sort of be a focal point on offense? He's he's not going to be played like a a raw rookie anymore, it seems like. It seems like he's going to be a main piece on the team. So what does that do to Cat's role, especially down the stretch? And a shot count? Is this, is this low shot count going to stay?
2: Um, I guess I can start, you know, that's a good question. I, there was that notion of was it Tibbs' fault or, or whose fault was it? Derek Rose could be thrown in with Jimmy Butler too, because I think he I, took, up, took that ball, you know, took the ball and did what he wanted to do with it and crunch time a lot. Um, but part, I guess there's the, the one part, what, should what should you do with someone like Towns? Cause he's not quite, um he's not quite athletic and with the ball, the way that, you know, obviously LeBron or even like a Giannis is where you can just say square up, you know, kind of that square up big man, but he's more athletic than just a lumbering post. So I don't know exactly what the action should look like. You know, Jokic is such a unique player the way he facilitates offense. I'm not sure that's Towns is, you know, that there's only one Jokic. I'm not sure that uh, Towns should be that, exact role either um it, he definitely needs to touch the ball um but i don't i'm not sure in my own head how it should happen um and and it does seem like or left to them left to their own devices so to speak or how it seems to be sometimes it ends up in the the perimeter playmaker guy's hands and and it doesn't end up in cat's hands that's not a very good answer at all but it's my way of saying i'm not totally sure what towns looks like as a um go-to guy in crunch time per se in this current NBA. That's less, you know, post-uppy than the old days, but.
1: Zach, as a guy that maybe focuses, no, not maybe, definitely focuses on the league as a whole more than Andy and myself. Yeah. What, what works around, I mean, Kat's a unique player, right? Right. Got Joel Embiid, MVP candidate, Nikola Jokic, MVP candidate. We haven't had centers with those designations for a while. Uh, is there anything in your head that makes sense to make, to get cat to that point past just the obvious he needs to improve defensively? Like what offensively could happen here?
0: I mean, down, down the stretch of like tight games. Like I, uh, I mean, I've always thought like he just needs to be stronger, right? Like he needs a stronger base. I like, he can lift weights or whatever, but he's all like everyone early on his career, like, Oh, give him the ball in the post. He's so good. It's like, yeah, he is, except he can't hold post position. Right that was the, that was his problem is that he's trying to post up. And by the time he gets the ball, he's been moved eight feet away from the basket. Mm-hmm. Like it's fine because he can shoot and he like, he's the best shooter yeah. of any, of any big man. And, and one of the best shooters in the league period. So I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because he can score anywhere on the floor, but you could tell like, all right, he can't just say, I want the ball here. He has to figure out where he ends up with the ball and then go from there, which Um, as long as he's adaptable to that, that I don't have a huge problem with that. Like I, if I were, if I were Ryan Saunders in those situations, I'd have three guys on the weak side, you know, someone in the corner, someone kind of at the, at the break and maybe someone just left or just right of, of the top of the key, right. Um, three point line area. And, and maybe someone kind of cuts down to that dunker spot and then relocates back to the the three-point line, but you want to spread, which is tough when you don't have a whole lot of shooters on the floor. Yeah. Uh, but you, that's where I'd want them. And then I guess in a perfect world, you're either running the action with D'Angelo Russell or let's say Anthony Edwards, which I'm, I'm f- like, I kind of feel this way, like how I felt about when Zach Levine was thrown in a point guard as a rookie. I'm yeah. like, yes, yeah. like these games are meaningless yeah. for the team. He's They're trying. important for the individual. So yeah. yes, let's let, have him play a position down, do all these things that he needs to learn the instincts for. And then hopefully you put him in his position later on in his career, his proper position. And oh my God, now his game looks so expanded, right? So right. let's say we're going to run it with Anthony Edwards. I would like to run on that left side because I think that's where Cat's at his best. I, I would run that left side around just inside the three point line, um, so you have a little bit more space to 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 kind of maneuver uh, either a dribble handoff or a pick and a pick. It doesn't have, pick, it doesn't have to be a pick and roll or a pick and pop, like because everyone in these situations kind of just seems to automatically switch whether, no matter what the action is. Yeah. And so you think you're looking for a mismatch from cat and I would just get him the ball. I like what, like if, if it's Anthony Edwards and we get, do the pick action and we see him give cat the ball at 19 feet, doesn't have to be at the three point line. doesn't have to be in the post. It just has to be cat has a mismatch now. Yeah. And from there, you know, you're cutting through and then you know, you're rotating out, relocating, mm-hmm. um, or just spreading more towards the top to get out of the way. And at that point, because cat doesn't really have to jump to shoot his jumper. I think it opens everything up on the floor for him. When he starts battling for position and trying to like get physical and everything. That's when I find that he, he struggles, but if you're going to overplay his jumper because he doesn't really jump and he can just kind of get that off and any, you know, in the blink of an eye, if you overplay that, then he can drive without having to be too physical. If you don't overplay that, he's the best shooting big in the league. Like, Jokic is fantastic. Cat's such a better shooter. Yeah, right, right. Like he just is. And so in those positions, I would just trust Cat to. I don't like some people are going to be like, get on the block and go be physical, go yeah. be Shaq, Right. That doesn't yeah. work for Carl. Like it, it, that's not his game. Like I want him shooting that nineteen footer. I want him shooting that three foot po- that three pointer. Like I want him having the ball in those situations because if you put him in the right situation where he doesn't have to be physical to get his bucket. Um, And if you overplay it, he's he's able to be physical against a guy who's not prepared to have that physicality against him, right? So then he can drive to the basket, he can dunk on someone, he can get that little half hook off in the lane, whatever, without losing his leverage from trying to fight for position. And so I would just run that to death. And look, he's your superstar until Andy gets him traded away, but he's your superstar. And... Like, let him go be a superstar. And if he misses, he misses. Like, we get so worried about a guy missing shots in those situations. Like, you're paying him to be your guy. Let him go use his skill set. And skill set is shot making. Sure, yeah.
2: I, that just reminded me, too, of how frustrated I would get that Tibbs didn't use, um, like, a Wiggins. Uh, Ryan didn't really either, in a sustained way, used, like, a Wiggins-Cat two-man game where you just yeah. – just simple. Just use Cat as a screen magnet up there because either they – suck to or you know get get kind of magnetized toward cat and wiggins has a lot of room to get you know get going or they don't and cats open for three it's just right. it's just simple and you do see defenses even in the fourth quarter they do miss they do miss mess up and they leave cat open i mean it's not like oh, he'll never time. get a three they're not going to yeah. be there every time and if he gets even like three threes off in a fourth quarter you know you make one or two of them that's that's good and it'll affect what the defense does next but
0: yeah And I I think on top of that too, like, uh, look, I know we loved to. Oh, pop ran a great play. You know, Brad Stevens and Nick nurse. Look what they're designing. That's all cool. But sometimes like just get your star of the ball and get the hell out of the way. Yeah. Like I, like we don't have to be too cute about this stuff sometimes. And I think that we get into so much of like run a play at the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got that dude, but if you don't have that dude, just that guy's tall and he can shoot the ball over anybody. Like let him go do that. Sometimes it's just that simple. Yeah, sure. I, I'm, yeah, only and, and, and a little, real quick, if you don't yeah, yeah. believe that in those situations, okay, do something else or get rid of them, right? Yeah. But like, yeah. if you're gonna, if he's gonna be the guy for you, you have to make him be the guy.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm gonna get a little anecdotal because it, it's just made me think of this Friday's game against Toronto. Uh, the game Jeez. opened. If if you watched, they were what like one of 19, just something yeah. absolutely horrendous. And after one half. They were only down 10. You look down the stat sheet, Carl Anthony Towns, the only guy that really put up positive numbers. Jordan McLaughlin had some buckets too. J-Max, just as a two-way guy again this year. But uh, Carl Anthony Towns is the only guy that really did anything. And then you go to the fourth quarter, and to your point, they're running pick and roll, but they're running pick and roll with Ricky Rubio trying to free up Cat. But because Ricky Rubio is the point guard and he had been struggling that entire night, they're just hovering the cat. They're forcing Ricky Rubio to make a decision. So right. that yeah. leads to my question. I was watching that game thinking, man, the Wolves win that game if D'Angelo Russell is the one initiating that pick and roll instead of Ricky Rubio could be wrong. You know, that could have entirely changed the dynamic <laughs> right. of the game for entirely different D related reasons. But at that point in the game, I couldn't help but think there is more, there are more avenues freed up with very simply a guy that can shoot the ball initiating those plays. Uh, And I think the rest of that lineup was Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Cat and Beasley, which Mm -hmm. um, despite what you were saying, Zach, like that's, that's five guys that at least can shoot the ball. Beasley and Cat that can really, and Delo that can really shoot the ball. Uh, Is, is that... Is that the ideal lineup going forward? Ryan's been messing with quite a few different lineups. Jake Lehman got into the game recently. Okee's been in and out of the lineup. Vanderbilt's still the starter. Right. Uh is that the is that your fourth quarter lineup when healthy down the stretch, Andy? Or have you thought about it that way?
2: Uh, it's hard to, you know, specific lineups on this team with you know, what are we playing? What if we played about fifteen different guys this year, probably? Yeah, like, yeah something good. like that. I mean, it's it's hard to to pinpoint exactly what it looks like. They kind of just punted on the power forward position or maybe they just don't think they need one it's starting to seem that way at least you know someone of real size but right yeah I mean it certainly seems like they're slowly trying to add shooting with D'Lo and Malik Beasley being the marquee acquisitions of Rosas's time and then Edwards hopefully will get better at shooting but yeah I mean it's hard it seems to me like that forward position is probably the one that's you know the quote-unquote forward position is the one that's hanging in the air is what are they going to do with that are they going to because you like you said, they've been playing Vanderbilt more and he's he's not a shooter and that means it's a little more you got one for two. In. He's fifty percent from three
1: from this. Year. Make, well, you know, I guess like, like,
2: I, I missed that. Coin flip, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. I mean I, lo- I, I don't wanna get off course because i i could talk for like five minutes about jared vanderbilt's um cartoonish hustle abilities that are <laughs> enough to keep me watching some nights like, he's definitely
0: the, the, he's the bench guy in any basketball movie where the coach oh. is just finally like put in the weird kid and like yeah. all of a sudden there's a spark off the bench and I'm like oh my god yeah. now the team
2: goes on a win streak like he's yeah. definitely that guy oh my god one night he, he contested a fadeaway jump shot and then I just saw his body fly across the screen to get the rebound. I'm like, what? Like <laughs> no one in the NBA goes and gets the is the guy who gets the board when they pass right. the fadeaway jump shot. Anyway, I just got off way off track. I'm not sure on the huh. idea lineup. I totally you know, I understand what you're saying. I yeah. you know shoot it, but I, I guess I haven't really pinned myself down to any, you know, lineup I, I see yet. But
1: that's I don't know. When when I watch that group, I think and it kind of leads me to what I want to talk about most. The thing that excites me as a Timberwolves viewer is Anthony Edwards, despite uh, a couple tweets saying that he struggled from the field last night is a very exciting rookie so far. He's showing some chops offensively, obviously a long way to go defensively. Shot selection has a long way to go, but he, he's looking like a fun player. He's looking like a guy with, with some real potential. D'Angelo Russell, again, another, another flawed player, but a guy that can shoot, he can, when he's locked in, he's a pretty good passer from the pick and roll. It's something I didn't really realize when the wolves acquired him, but he's, he's shown some ability to throw some nifty passes. And towards the beginning of the season, games against Utah games against Detroit, there were plays that involved D'Angelo Russell putting up and making big shots off of or Carl. I almost said Kevin love off of Carl Anthony towns, double teams. Right. And that seems like a partnership that in theory should work. We just obviously haven't seen it yet. Um, So the reason I asked about the fourth quarter lineup is I see those three. And then I think, well, you got Malik Beasley talk about a guy that a reliable shooter to have out there. If, if everything else breaks down and Jaden McDaniels is uh, like you said, Andy, not a power forward, but defending his ass off, especially for a rookie, a late first round pick a 20, a 19 or 20 year old Uh, I've just loved watching him play and I want to see more of him, but that's my long-winded way of getting around to, do anthony edwards d and cat make sense as a trio and like what's zach what, what's the ceiling for a trio like that i know we we probably don't have enough info on ant at this point right. and we definitely don't have enough info on cat and d uh as a pair uh but like think of it as d still being a new acquisition what what can that trio really do when when things are rolling and everybody's
0: actually healthy i mean in theory it should be unstoppable offensively right like you have one of the best offensive centers in the league who can stretch the floor and score anywhere on the floor right d'angelo russell is actually a pretty good like crunch time dude in terms mm-hmm. of like knowing how to get a bucket knowing where to where to find his spots i i agree like i think he's a i think he's a good playmaker in the pick and roll and i think that especially if you give him a, a if you give him a weapon, like no offense to Nas Reed or, you know, Jared Vanderbilt or or whatever, but like, if you give him a real weapon to, to play off of, then I think it opens everything up. And we just haven't seen him and cat together, as you mentioned. And then Anthony Edwards, like he's probably not going to be good for a couple of years, but I I don't know. It's so funny because like everything before the draft was like, Ooh, we don't know if this guy actually likes playing basketball, right? His weird comments on this ESPN article. And it's like, we don't know if he really loves it. Oh my God. He doesn't love it. It's like, Yo, Carl, Carl likes football. Yeah. Right? Like Carl doesn't Jimmy love He says
1: he prefers football. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy
0: Butler, like football. I don't need a dude to love basketball. I need a dude to love playing basketball. Like there's a difference, right? Like I, I just think there's a huge difference. And so, um, and so for now, like I, everything I've seen from Anthony Edwards this season, that dude looks like he's having fun on the court. Like he looks frustrated, mm-hmm. but he's attacking, he's energetic. Like, I think some people have kind of slapped some like Wiggins stank on him for some reason, right? Like I, there's like, this just weird, like, like reluctance to accept him. And look, I don't know if he's going to be good. I don't know if he's going to justify being the number one pick. Lamello might be way better than him. James Wiseman mm-hmm. might be way better. That might've been a miss by the Wolves. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a guy that, really seems to be energetic and enthusiastic. And sometimes you just need that dude out there. Right. And especially if he's talented, I think he's talented. I think he's, I think he's going to be a really good player in this league. Number one, dude, probably not, but there aren't that many of those guys anyway. And so if you can get him to be a knockdown outside shooter, doesn't have to be clay Thompson, but like he, he can't be a 31% shooter, right? If you can get him to be a a guy who is a threat to spot up you're and you're just hesitating those three guys alone together should be unstoppable offensively it's just what happens on the other end and then that's where the other two players involved become so important and that's the issue for for gerson right is like i don't know what you guys think of Jarrett culver at this at this point but like i don't feel totally optimistic that that was a pick that will pay
1: and in the most awkward of transitions we are bringing on jerry from minneapolis who's going to participate in our first ever wolf of pod street trivia contest but before i bring on jerry i want to talk to you about prize brewing and their new signature series their new year-round signature series the peace offering cold press stout silky smooth cold pressed stout it's infused with fresh roasted peace coffee beans i drink peace coffee every morning so i love that it's perfect for brunch bonfires and breaking bread it became available in the tap room this past friday And it's going to be in liquor stores by the time you hear this podcast on Monday morning. So please uh, go to Prize Brewing, make a peace offering. You will not regret it. Jerry from Minneapolis, our first participant. How are you this afternoon?
3: I'm doing great, Tim. Thank you for having me on.
1: Very happy to have you on. If you don't know, Jerry also has the Ball Eyes North Twitter handle. He is pumping out stuff on ball north.com and he's also sharing stuff from wolves blogs all around the web so thank you for doing that uh yeah. as i told you before we hit record the whole theme of this podcast is about carl anthony towns so in that spirit we're going to keep on the same uh subject all about carl anthony towns jerry are you ready i am ready let's do it all right so the prizes that are available, you need to get two of three, at least. There, It's a two-tier prize system. If you get one of three, I'm sorry, you go away with nothing. If you get zero of three, obviously, same thing. Mm-hmm. If you get two of three, you get our first-tier prize package, courtesy of Prize Brewing, and three of three, you get our tier two prize package. All right. Oh, I, I am motivated. I love prize. Fantastic. A prize prize, if you will. Mm-hmm. Just put that together in my head. All right. Mm-hmm. Question one. Carl Anthony Towns has lived in America throughout his entire life, but plays for a national team of a different country. What team would that be? I believe that is the Dominican national team. That is correct. Jerry, you are one for three. All right. Fantastic. First question, first correct answer. I love it. Number two, in March of 2018, Carl Anthony Towns set a career high for points 56. It's the franchise record. What team was that against?
3: Shoot. that's I. Someone tweeted out that stat line the other day, and I saw it and thought, oh, yeah, 56. I remember that game, and a part of me thought, go look it up. Go see who it was against, and then I didn't. I moved on, but I think I have a pretty decent guess, and I'm going to say the Atlanta Hawks.
1: The Atlanta Hawks is correct. Oh, man. oh Jared, you are in the prize uh, uh, category. You've earned at least the Tier 1 prize, and you still have an opportunity to earn a Tier 2 prize courtesy of Prize Bruin. Oh. This last one, it's based in the same era. So Carl Anthony Towns hit his career high in March of 2018. That was the year the Wolves made the playoffs. That was also the only year... That Carl Anthony Towns to this point has made one of the three All NBA teams. There were three other players listed as center or forward center. So they play some center uh, on the three teams. Name them. Hmm. Three kay. more.
3: Three years ago. So 2018, that was the playoff year. Okay. Uh, we're going to go. Do you want me to name them off one at a time or all three to get to get it correct?
1: I'd like you to name all three. It's kind of an all or nothing. Three. All or nothing. Okay. Let's go with
2: <clears throat>
3: Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, and Mark Gasol.
1: Jerry, you named one of three. Ah. The correct answers were Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, who made the All-NBA first team that year. Oh, of course. Jeez. And a bit of a tougher one, LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm. Well, LaMarcus Aldridge, who had a great I, year in 2016. I don't feel bad. I, I wouldn't have gotten that one. Yeah, that was to a tough that. one, man. Yep. But you got two of three. You've won a prize. I'll be talking to you after the podcast about what that looks like and when you'll be receiving it. So, Jerry, go follow Jerry at Ball Eyes North on Twitter. Thank you for being the first participant on the Wolf of Pod Street trivia. No problem, it was fun. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to the podcast with Zach and Andy. Sorry about that. All right, first uh, first episode, first technical difficulty. Uh, Zach's point was so good that he broke the internet. Okay, I broke so the internet
0: that happens all the time. Now. People just think, "Wow, well, wow, what a great what a great discussion point that was." Uh, but for you know for that trio, like I think they can be a team that gets you to the postseason, when everything's actualized anything above that. Like, I think that's asking a lot unless Ant is a dude that just raises that, that level. Um, and then the timeline thing, like he's so young. I don't know when that happens for him realistically because young players generally aren't good. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think Andy, I don't think everyone needs to be on the same timeline. I actually think that's a really weird way of trying to build a team where everyone's got the same experience years and same Same age, I like. I think that's a terrible way because those things don't generally sustain. But with with this, like, I just don't know that they're going to line up at the same time to be what the wolves need them to be.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, sometimes I think it's kind of like uh, worthwhile to just like look at the roster and try to honestly ask who amongst the whole roster is a part of the like quote unquote long term core. Cause it's always a shorter list than you think. Like you look right. at Wolves fans. If you ask them that on Twitter right now, they'd be like, well, you know, for sure. J Mac and the other J Mac and, you know, towns and, Beasley and, Russell. Yep. and you know, yeah. it's like, fast forward like four years, if you could. And, you know, maybe like four guys will be there five, maybe, I don't know. It could even be less, but, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, basically what zach said as far as aunt if he's that dude or or whatever like it's just a matter of when and it, is it soon enough and i you know that kind of gets to to um the part of the impetus of my post that i know everyone loves so much um but <laughs> i loved it i thought it, it was, was great thought, i thought it was interesting I like well, it. yeah because i, I don't mean,
1: agree with you but no sorry go on
2: <laughs> yeah well i mean it gets to like i i i think i agree with uh, what zach was saying as far as Timelines get overestimated. Um, and my my spin on that for the like the Wolves situation, at least like at the time Rosas took over for Tibbs, would be like you don't want to try to line up eight timelines at once. It's more about lining up like two or three of them. Um, but you do, you know, if you're trying to build this sustainable thing, then you want to have give Carl, you know, one or two guys that are gonna be like, you know, with them. And I think that's what he did with Russell. But at the same time, you don't want to like gut all of your veteran competence. When you have a guy like cat, 24, 25 years old, at least I wouldn't have done that because now you have what you have here. It's last year, third worst record in the league. Now this year, worst record in the league. And these are his prime seasons. And it's like, um, you, he should have a couple more quality veterans on his roster. It would be my take, even if you're not going to win 63 games, if you're at least if you could win like 46 games, and keep all your first round picks and that, you know, it opens up, you know, like the D low trade and not having all your first round picks, but it wasn't a perfect um, I'm getting off script here, but it wasn't like a, obviously there was an imperfect situation that Rosas inherited. Um, But to me, it it would have probably been a safer play and maybe even just a a more wise play to view it as, okay, we have an average team let's try to get better incrementally here because we can't afford to go all the way to the bottom as Carl is entering his prime. And they've done that the ladder. They've gone all the way to the bottom and we're going to see how it goes. But, you know, I, I view this team is now two different things and I, it's kind of a spiritual element to it, not to get weird, but it feels like there's this like positive energy in these games where it's like Jaden McDaniels makes three good defensive plays. And it's like, that's enough to get people excited. Meanwhile, we're losing that game almost every time. And it's like, and the veterans aren't feeling good about Jaden McDaniels. Like they're, they're just getting their checks and they're probably kind of like this season's, you know, this season sucks, but (laughs) I don't know. I, I feel like there's, there's, this team is now kind of two different concepts and cats on, on not on the, on the one that's got the happy vibes, you know, ants dunk Ant getting 27 against LeBron, Jaden getting hyped for his D and these blocks, like, Jay, you know, um, whatever the list goes on and on. Now's Reed has good games. Like those guys are happy to be in the NBA. They get excited when they have good moments, fans get excited about that. But like, you know, the other side of the ledger to me is is kind of a different deal. So.
0: Yeah, but real real quick on that. Like I also yeah. think that you shouldn't be like you, the expectation for a bad team should be that you're in a better place at the end of the season than you were at the beginning, right? Yeah. Obviously right now the Wolves are not. The Wolves are in a worse place for a lot of reasons, some outside of their control, some that's COVID stuff, right? Sure. Carl getting COVID like. But they do have a lot of time to build within that. And I think that's the issue has always been, are they going to have a culture? Like what's the culture of that roster of that team of the franchise? The answer has usually been losing culture, yes. right? Like that is a losing culture most years. Right. But I do think there's a real chance of like the excitement of a Jaden McDaniels, the excitement of Anthony Edwards setting the internet on fire. Cause he, he is, he dunked all over some random role player for, the for the Raptors like that stuff does actually matter for getting if you can get your teammates excited in a in the middle of being the worst team in the West I do think there is value in that I do think you can build on it it's not a guarantee you build on it and that's then the question of like how but I do think in having those little injections of like whoa that was a moment right whoa that was cool for that guy I think a good, good organization in a rebuilding process finds the way to harness that and use that as a building block. I don't know if Rosas and, and Ryan can do that. I I, I have no idea. It, based on the history of the franchise, I would say, no, they can't. Um, but, that's, but that's also attaching decades of incompetence to those two guys, which I don't think is necessarily fair. Now you can talk about their incompetence within their jobs and then and in their eras, like, like, I think, I think Ryan's a much better coach than people give him credit for. I think he doesn't have a lot to work with. And I think people are asking him to make a good team out of a bad roster. Um, they, I think he could do a lot better with certain, with certain things, but I, I'm not as negative on Ryan because I just have never had high expectations for this roster. But I do think there's, there's still time and it's rare that I'm the optimist when it comes to Wolf stuff. But like, I do think there's, <laughs> I think there's time to, at least based on what I expected the team to be at the start of the season for them to be in a better place by the time the 72 games are over.
2: I think yeah, oh,
1: I, I, I was just going to say, I, I, I like this culture conversation because I think it's really, really hard to develop like a true culture within an organization. Like what Greg Popovich has in San Antonio or has had for the past couple decades is it's impossible to emulate. Like a, a bunch of pop disciples have, Popped up all over the league. Mike Budenholzer is one of them. He's he's done a really good job. But I don't think anyone would mm-hmm. call what the Bucs have in Milwaukee culture. Um, I think what uh, the Clippers have with Kawhi and Paul George is it's a great roster. They've had Doc Rivers in the past. They have Tyloo now. I don't think anyone considered what they had slash have in L.A. to be culture. You can be a really good team and not have uh, this sort of like like Andy said, this like spiritual thing, like what the right. Celtics had with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. Right. Um, it, it's a really unique thing. What the Wolves have and what Wolves fans have, it goes back to what you were saying about the ant dunk, McDaniels blocks, Nas Reed going Al Jefferson with a three-point shot uh, and putting up 20 and 10. Uh, it excites Wolves fans. These little bits of things, I think – to a certain degree, are what Wolves fans have left to grapple onto. And it's not shocking to me that they're getting excited about that. And it's interesting because when the Wolves had their one year of winning in the past few years, to a lot of Wolves fans, that was the... Most the biggest bummer of a year ever. I hated it. They that
2: hated it.
0: wasn't that me. Wasn't that wasn't me. me. I <laughs> want to be
2: clear. I love that, Steve. I, I know you do. You are I the
0: anti-Wolves it. fan. In there that, so many people uh, who were angry, and I was like, "Yo, I thought you just wanted to make the playoffs again, yeah. right?" Like, and I get it. Like, you want to do it to where there's there's a reason to make the playoffs. Like, you like yeah. you to maybe go win in the playoffs. I think we all could look at that team like that team's not winning the playoffs. Well, they right? were, but they weren't winning the way that Wolves fans
2: wanted. They, they weren't going to beat the Rockets in the they, first round, put it
0: that no, way. No, like,
2: they, were, they
1: I, weren't even yeah. expected to play them right away until Jimmy got hurt, but like they didn't like it because Tibbs was a little bit of a grump. They didn't yeah. like it because Jimmy was, wasn't was as like happy-go-lucky and uh, fun and hilarious as Zach Levine. Ricky Rubio was traded for Jeff Teague, and Jeff Teague didn't like Ricky Rubio, and they got into scuffles during the season. and.
2: Cat wasn't was, getting all the shots.
0: it's like so you. weird. Was was
2: so weird. Tib- I was cheering on in that weird. WWF fight. I was cheering on Teague and Tibbs, and yeah. I'm supposed to be this hater now. Against the- <laughs> I was, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, body check his ass. Let's go. I wanted Tibbs to beat up Jay Crowder. I didn't want Jay Crowder <laughs> to beat up Tibbs. <laughs> oh,
0: I would see that fight. Oh my god! I think Di- I Jay Crowder's a tough dude. but I think. Oh too. yeah tibbs would yell him to the
1: ground right. um okay we have we, got a little off topic this is a, this is about carl anthony towns not about not about tibbs and jay crowder but that that would be a fantastic podcast episode on its own um let's let's talk about i i think before before we go further i just want to i just want to say um there has been a lot of uh, uh talking about carl anthony towns's flaws the reason he can't as he is currently constructed as a player, maybe be a Jokic, maybe not an MVP candidate, but I, I do want to emphasize Karl-Anthony Towns is really, 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 really good at basketball, right? Yeah. Best shooting mm-hmm. center in the league, maybe best shooting center of all time. I think I think at the end of the day, that's what he'll be, a solid rebounder, um, but... Uh, uh, he's a multi-time all-star. He's going to make more all-star games. He will make more all NBA teams in his career, as long as he can stay healthy. He's a great basketball player. He's the best player on the team. It's not even close. Okay. Just had to get that out of the way. Um, let's talk about Carl Anthony towns on defense. Um, (laughs) uh, I think at the beginning of each of the last two years, and either of you can correct me if you disagree, Mm -hmm. uh, Carl's defense, Looked improved to start both of each of the last two years. I remember at the beginning of last season, um, I remember a game in Brooklyn. There, there was a stretch there where he was putting up crazy numbers and putting playing improved defense. And like the first, I, like three, four games of the year, people were like, "Is Cat about to be an MVP candidate?" Then he fell off. He got hurt. COVID happened. All that stuff didn't happen. Um, the beginning of this year, the same thing happened. Um, I've seen a lot more inconsistency defensively since. Uh, he got back and again for the 90th time. There are a lot of factors at play with Carl's return right now, but what, what needs to happen for this team to be a good team defensively and for Carl to be sort of the rim protector? Because I will say that when he is one-on-one in the post, if he's just going on a back down against a solid offensive center against an Andre Drummond against a whoever, I don't care, um, Miles Turner, whoever, Sabonis, Uh, he holds his own for the most part off defensively one-on-one in the post. It's when he has to make a decision on a pick and roll, uh, if his guy is moving off ball where I've seen the biggest struggle. So what, what do we need to see from cat for the, for him to be an improved defender consistently? Uh, Andy,
2: um, well, yeah, I mean, it, I think your your history of the last couple of years is helpful. I think you could even take it back his whole career because he has had these peaks and valleys, which is strange. It's mm-hmm. with Kevin Garnett; he seemed like a good defender, I think, like as a rookie when KG was next to him, and then mm-hmm. then KG was away, and and it was like the Sam Mitchell year where they they were getting better, but they were an offensive team only. And uh, then Tibbs comes, and the defense doesn't arrive right away, and then mm-hmm. Jimmy comes, and that's when. Cat was put under the microscope for the first time because he's got not only those two individuals, Tibbs and Jimmy, but he's got the media noticing that like, Oh, this guy's not that good on D and that was the year in media day. He's like, I'm just going to play by my instincts. Like I did at Kentucky. And then he starts off with the worst defense of his career. And I'm like, Oh, this guy's got to get his, he's got to kind of, he doesn't get it right now. But I think I, I really thought the the like maybe the last three fourths of that playoff season was when he was, defending the most consistently and like I mentioned earlier in this podcast it coincided with a little bit reduced offensive role um and I just thought I I personally think that that for him at least and if not every single player but almost every player there's a little bit of an either or in terms of your effort like where it's going to be higher like I you know not everybody has the extreme of like uh early Houston Rockets James Harden where it's like 99-1 but like you know I think there's a little bit of an apportionment there and I think for Towns when he when his offense goes a little bit less involved, I think his D tends to be higher, but um, in terms of the X's and O's and stuff, it, it seems like it's more attention focus and discipline. Like don't jump so much and just do the wall up thing, right? Like Al Horford would be the guy I would think he should just copy to the extent possible. Cause he's not ever going to be in beat, but I think he right. could be, he could probably physically be maybe even a little better than Horford, but he just doesn't have the, the restraint quality, which I don't know, I, I'm not sure, Zach, if you agree with any of that or,
0: or have other thoughts. But no, I, I agree with a lot of it. Like I think it's funny. Like I actually think the best thing that could happen is him being Al Jefferson in Charlotte, like which you don't really think. Like Al Jefferson, good idea on defense, right? But more, Al Jefferson, yeah. Al Jefferson's not a good defender, right? But under Steve Clifford and Charlotte, they had top seven defenses pretty much every year with Al Jefferson as their starting center. Wow. And I a didn't lot of know it, that. I was yeah, a, big a L- stand for yeah, a while. Yeah. And a, and a lot of that is scheme. A lot of that scheme, right? It's like, Al, we need you to do this, this, and this. Follow that script. And Al did it. And they, like, he wasn't a good defender, but he was a good team yeah. defender, right? He was in yeah. position. And you can, like, so some of it's scheme. And then some of it is just, like, you guys mentioned, we see this every year with Carl. There is one month out of the season. Sometimes it's October, November, that split. And sometimes it's like January. Where yeah. there's one month out of the season where we're like, yo, he figured yeah. it out defensively. Here yeah. we go. This is what it's going to be. And then it goes away.
2: Yeah. It
0: goes away and it never comes back the rest of the season. And I don't know what that is. Like I, I'm with, like I think it is attention to detail. I think it is focus. And every time I see Carl go for a, a, a block shot, I just think, well, there's a score. Whether he gets the shot or not, like... Cause yeah. either the backline defense isn't there or he has gotten out of position to go block a shot and everything. And, um, and so I kind of just expect the worst in those situations. So some of that is his teammates need to be better. They need to be in position. They see him go for a block shot. Mm-hmm. You got to rotate over mm-hmm. like, that's just, that is being on a string defensively. Like that's just how that goes. If guy goes there, then everyone's got to follow suit in unison. Um, so some of that is teammates. Some of that is him being too jumpy to like get a highlight block and you know Rudy Gobert doesn't jump that much right now it's not fair to say like go be Rudy Gobert that's not what he's going to be but you can be a big person who deters shots at the rim without blocking anything um and that's not to say Rudy doesn't block but you know what I mean like you like sometimes just being in the way is good defense mm-hmm. and I think if Carl focused more on that and and it goes back to like yo here like you you can't have Al Bundy be your your franchise guy. Like I, like cat is talking like, well, at like, Kentucky, we did this in Kentucky. We did that. Like right, nobody gives a shit about what you man. did in college in the NBA. Nobody. <laughs> the only person we care about is mellow with yeah. that stuff because he won a championship like that. Yeah. It's like, that's the right. only person in the NBA that we're like, yo, in college, yeah. look at this. Um, and cat, that was the, that was the issue. Like I looked, I had, I had, I still have issues with some stuff that Tom Thibodeau does defensively in the modern game, but if you look at what the Knicks are doing, not to go too yeah. off topic, but you look at what the Knicks do, like he was right. Right? Like Mitchell Robinson's not good. Yeah. Julius Randle's not good defensively. RJ Barrett's not good defensively. And that's a good, good defense. Like it's an indictment on what the Wolves were doing yeah. under Tom Thibodeau. And yeah, they made up for it offensively. But when you know, when Taj was on the court, when Jimmy was on the court, they bought into because they knew yeah. this is what if you execute this, this is what it looks like. And And, and, and the guys who didn't buy in, like they were terrible defensively and it hurt the team. And so I think part of it's ultimately it's going to be on cat to either get serious and keep that focus for a full season or most of the season, whatever that's that balance has to be, or you go get guys that can help him out defensively so much that he can be like Jokic sucks defensively (laughs) sucks. He screened his own player in a game against the jazz last season in the bubble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to like Donovan Mitchell to tie it up and go to overtime, got him to like screen Jeremy grants for some reason. Like, I still don't understand what the hell Jokic is yeah. doing it. Like he, he's so bad. They're subbing in Mason Plumlee to be the good defender on that team in, in clutch situations, right? Like he's awful defensively, but the nuggets make it work and they're not great defensively, but they're often like 15, 17. If the wolves were 15, 17 defensively somewhere in that range, that's a playoff team. Like it doesn't, you're not asking Carl doesn't have to go be Hakeem Elijah one, but if he's not going to be able to keep that focus, then one, he has to be so good offensively like Jokic is, right? It doesn't mean he has to be the passer, but he has to be such an offensive weapon consistently that, yo, we'll at least get it back on the other end. And then outside of that, Everyone else around him has to be a Paul Millsap has to be a Gary Harris has to be a Will Barton or Jeremy Grant or whatever, right? Like you have to then go get the guys that lessen how bad he is defensively. So there, I mean, I feel like I'm all over the place with this answer, but yeah. some of it's him and some of it's the team and some of it's the design. And that's just how defense work. Defense is not just a, a a like known currency in the NBA. Like that shit can go away so quickly yeah. and, and it's on the wolves. and It's on Carl to figure out how to, keep it as much as they can.
2: How about love and peck with Rick Adelman and Bill Bano and crew coaching them? Like they yeah. were, they were not 12th, bad. Right. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: Like they were like in that range. And part of that was like, they just didn't foul anybody. So you yeah. Know, yeah. They and didn't that foul. Helps.
2: Yeah. They, they walled up. They didn't foul. Yeah. And then crunch time, I think their D was kind of bad. It's sort of, but it was like, they did very reasonably good, right? well. Yeah. It, I mean, it were. Neither yeah, one I mean, of those guys was an was a quote unquote, you know, defensive right. type. But
0: so yeah, maybe maybe the maybe the onus until Cat can be a consistent effort or focus guy. I don't even know what you want to call it. Cause I think I actually think the effort's there. I think it's focusing that effort. Right. I agree. Most of the time. Um, teaching him where the effort is actually productive. So until he can get a better grasp on that, um, yeah, maybe then it is just completely on Gerson to get guys to put on the team next to him that help. And and Ryan to like figure out a Steve Clifford esque system on defense to where it just it minimizes your deficiencies on that end.
1: As far as he goes individually, I take this with a pretty big grain of salt, because in the past, Andy kind of alluded to it at the very beginning of this podcast. But the things Carl has said to the media in the past hasn't always seemed. Obviously, I'm I am I am removing everything he said about losing his mom and uh, right. family struggles with COVID that. Obviously, hard That's Pre-COVID, been yeah. um, in terms of on the court basketball stuff with the media. He hasn't always seemed authentic. I think is the word I would use.
0: Oh, but we um, ate that shit up rookie year, didn't we? Oh my god! Oh, look at this kid talking. Look how he talks to us. Oh my god! He's like the perfect person.
2: everything he says is perfect.
1: Until until we started to realize, like, hey, wait a minute. What, what did you say about the defense again? So like the, right. the, the moment I started realizing that maybe some of what he was saying to the media wasn't always uh, or was intentional. It was intentional what he was saying. He was saying it for a purpose. Uh, when the defense started to be put on a microscope a little bit, and anytime you'd go into the locker room and ask him about the defense after the game, he would say the same phrase almost every game. They made tough shots but uh, they just made tough shots tonight.
0: Those, those tough open shots. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> just, yeah. they, I, I couldn't make them for whatever it's <laughs> um, But the thing that gives me hope for this year is at the beginning of this year was the first time. And I, I wish I had the quote in front of me. It was the first time I heard him acknowledge his defensive shortcomings from the past about him making the wrong decisions about him wanting to make the right decisions. And it, it if there's any sense of hope that that seemed genuine to me, that he was criticizing his own game and pointing out something he needed to work on. Cause he usually hasn't done that in the past. He would say things like, I'm just going to play by my instincts or they just made tough shots. Uh, so will we eventually see the defense that we saw at the very beginning of this season come back? I don't know. But uh, the fact that he is at least saying publicly I've sucked on defense in the past, And I want to improve to me, considering what we've seen of him as a person in the past, not as a person, but like to the media, his presentation to the media in the past, that suggests growth or at least a willingness to point out his own shortcomings on the basketball or
0: or, to play devil's advocate. I don't know how Andy feels here, but like, or he knows it sounds good. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, but, but like, there's some people are very savvy with that. Carl's been very savvy with that yeah. his entire yeah. career. Yeah. And so gosh.
1: maybe I got like, sucked in again, like it's 2015.
0: It, it's it, But yeah. it's easy to do, right? Cause that, yeah. cause it is a different answer and you think, oh, that is gross. Cause immediately, but if I want to, if I want to be kind of a dick about it, like it also sounds like something you'd want to tell the media. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I remember being there for 2015, no 2015 2016 season miami heat media day and Hassan whiteside tells the media I'm, I'm gonna be defensive player of the year this year yeah. and we're like okay sure sure buddy and then we told chris bosh that right chris bosh goes up for his set and like hey you know Hassan said he wants to be defensive player of the year and he said oh you want he said that yeah okay that's good i'll be able to re- remind him that every day
2: yeah
0: right and so who's the guy on the team that will remind carl every day hey You just said that you sucked on defense and you need to get better.
2: I think he actually to to bring it full circle. I think that
0: guy now plays in Miami. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, you're right. I think that does. The guy does play in Miami. But but yeah, like, like, look, you can say whatever you want, but it's a whole like action speak louder. Right. And so until we see like I, that defense will come back. I guarantee it probably be the first month of next season. Right. Because that's when we usually see it. And then, and then after that, I don't know, like I I'm at this point, like with, with that with Carl like I just don't take any stock into the stuff that he says. I don't think he's lying. I think he believes the stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think he knows he he sucks on defen- defense and wants to get better, but like hey, I know I should eat better and exercise every day. Yeah. It doesn't happen, yeah. right? Like I mean, that's that's just how it goes sometimes. Like you can it, you can recognize your flaws, but fixing your flaws like it's just it's a different thing. That's and that's very human and very hard to to remain focused on if the if they're your inherent flaws.
2: Was last year when he said pioneer, we're we're being pioneers of excellence? or was that. I'm trying to remember. That was the phrase that I think almost killed me. Uh, but I <laughs> love that. <laughs> I that, one, I, that one I believe. About that pioneers I believe. Of excellence. Yeah. <laughs> It oh, might man. have been when they... Because they were like 10 and 10 last year. They started off surprisingly yeah. competitive. I think it was in that little window. I think we got Pioneers. Right X before X.
0: right before the team tweet about like, the Timberwolves are going to be bad yeah, this year one, with the whole like sponge That thing. one's tough. <laughs> no,
2: yeah. That it's one's never, it's never going away. Enough right. people saved that one somewhere to...
1: Like... <laughs> they never deleted that tweet, I don't think. Yeah, to their credit, uh, never deleted it. You got a little bit. That Shabazz That same oh. social team took a badass picture of Anthony Edwards dunking Ooh. on Friday, so... Oh yeah. Look They're off pretty- topic.
0: If you didn't like that dunk, I don't oh, know how to help yeah. you, man. Like, yeah, yeah. I was just, that was a, that's a moment right there. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you, uh, I think uh dragonfly Jones tweeted is like, couldn't tell you if Baron Davis and the warriors won that game again, where he yeah. dunked on Andre Kirill. <laughs> right. yeah. And that was a playoff game, right? Like, yeah. Oh I saw God. somebody tweet out
1: the Vince Carter dunk in the Olympics. Like he only had 14 points in that game. I just want to point that out. He right. ended up <laughs> yeah. It, whoever that was against. Okay. That's all I got. Andy Zach. I appreciate you both for a variety of reasons,
0: but did I we fix them. You. What's did we, that? Did we fix the wolves? Is it? Kanye
1: West tried. We're trying now. <laughs>
2: Uh we'll
0: get we'll to one
1: of
2: these times. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. We'll see.
1: But thank you both so much for coming on. Andy wrote
0: a great, a great piece. I'm gonna call it a great piece. All of right. Let me say this. Anthony hey. towns. Read it with an open mind. You don't have to agree with yeah. it. Just read it with an open mind. Don't be angry when you read it. No, it's a, it's a fascinating read. Don't don't react off a headline. Actually, read
1: it. Yeah. Give it a read. Zach, you are at the athletic you're on sirius xm radio mad dog radio yeah you're all over the place man
0: I'm uh, all over the place we
1: miss you in minnesota but hope you hope you both are doing well and hopefully get to talk to you soon but thank you so much for coming on the first episode of the this wolf was fun of guys thanks this was fun Appreciate it. please go and subscribe apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcast go to patreon.com backslash the wolf of pod street become a pot or become a patron for three dollars a month this whole month's uh, worth of income is going to Headwaters Foundation for Justice. It's a local based foundation that gives to a whole bunch of causes around the Twin Cities. It's a great organization. Go do it, even if it's only for this one month. Anyway, thank you for listening. First episode of Wolf of Pod Street, and we'll see you next week.